big lady since last Wednesday night. And she probably needs to be at home this morning, but she's here. And I, I just thank the Lord for all of her. Right. 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 So kind of stay away from everyone. I don't know if it's a, a, a virus that's going around or what, so we don't want you to get sick or anything in that respect. As you well know, this, this year is going to be a year that God is going to, I believe, bring the church into the 11th hour. We end the year of 2024, which is the year of the open door. I think things that have been closed up are going to be opened up to us in this year. I know I've had a lot of closed doors in my life, and I'm praying that the Lord will open up doors. Um, sometimes God has a desire for you to do certain things that is based upon other people's wills. And uh, God desires for you to do something in that area, but sometimes folks' wills will stop you from doing that. However, there are other times in life that the Lord will just ask you, you know, are, are you willing to keep trying to work? Are you willing to keep trying to fight? A lot of times you've already performed what God wants you to do, and sometimes it's just time to sit back and wait on the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter number 2. For the next little while here in our church, we are actually basing a few things on the, the spiritual movement of the Lord from Matthew chapter number 20, verse number 1 through 16, where Jesus told of a parable of a vineyard owner that went out and sought to seek people to reap his harvest. In that story, he went out on five different occasions and got a hold of hirelings and brought them into the vineyard to bring in the harvest. What that means is, is there is five different occasions during the life of the church that God himself would visit the church. Four of those visitations are already taking place. The first visitation when... God actually called the nation of Israel into his church. Secondly, is when Jesus formulated the church on the day of Pentecost. That was the third hour movement. And then on the sixth hour movement is when Jesus symbolically went into Samaria where the, the, the gospel was offered to the Gentiles. And a new revelation of worship to Gentile people was given. That's the movement of the Lord. These movements, although happened in the past, they still continually in a continuum move on. The ninth hour visitation was when Peter and, and John went into the temple and there was a lame man sitting at the gate of beautiful and healing began to move in that pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus in that parable began to share that there would be an 11th hour visitation of the Lord where the harvest was going to be plenteous and ready to come in and take it in. And in that 11th hour visitation, that there would be a lot of folks that are actually hired and brought into the church during that time. And the people that are in that 11th hour generation, that 11th hour visitation would receive in the end everything that every other visitation had received. So the Lord has told us that we are in the 11th hour visitation. I've been talking about that a little bit. I'm having to review a few things because a lot of people are not here during the week and, and it's really a challenge to try to get everyone up on one page. 
But I do want you to understand that this is the year I do believe that God is going to begin to visit his church for the 11th hour. When I say the 11th hour, I mean time is so short that God has got to do some mighty things in a short time. And God is beginning to do that. I also shared with you, uh, speaking with you in this, that God started out the Bible with the myths, which is uh, just symbolic in the Bible of sustenance. Sustenance, just enough to get by a mist that came up from the ground that watered the plants. And in the end, in the Revelation chapter number 22, through the progression of the movement of God, God brings his people to a river that is flowing with living water from the throne of God with the tree of life on each side and the leaves of that tree being able to heal the nations. God wants his church to move from just enough to live in abundance. And in 2024, I believe that God is going to usher us and tug us along into some abundance. Some of us have had some issues. We've had some problems. We've had some things that it seems like every time that we touch something that it turns to brass. But I believe this is the year of the breakthrough. Amen? Amen. And what I believe to be a revival revelation to the church is strategically positioned in the opening pages of the Bible. I believe God put it there for a specific reason. I believe he placed it there because he wanted it to be grasped and held on to tightly forever. We don't hear a lot of preachers preaching about it. Matter of fact, I, I don't know if I've ever really heard anyone go into a deep speaking on that. But that truth is hidden within the analogy of Genesis chapter number 2. It is a revival revelation. It's a revival, a revelation of how God works in revival. So... At this point, God had created the earth. He created it. It was beautiful with all of its colors, all of its majestic views, all the magnificence and elaborate colors and scenery that's so majestic. And he had created that earth as the home for his crowning achievement in the creating process. He wanted this place that we are living and we are existing in to be the home of mankind. And he took a very meticulous movement to construct and to paint on a canvas, so to speak, the greatest home that man could ever have outside of heaven. Now, mankind here would have his beginning within the formation of Adam. As you well know, God began to form Adam. And as he began to form Adam, Adam was formed. But it would not be until well into God's time frame of the creative agency that Adam was formed. There is a formation process when you come to God that you must go through. There are some issues in your life that you must have God to deal with. You are like the clay in the potter's hand. The things that happen to you in your life, the Bible tells you the reason why they happen. A lot of people don't want to receive this, but the Bible says the reason why they happen is so you can find comfort through those situations. And in fact, turn around and comfort others when they go through the same situation. God loves people enough to where when you give your life to him, you give him everything. And a lot of times he will fashion things in your life so that you will be able to be a light to those that are dying. Amen. Now there's an interesting phrase in chapter 2 that's very important. And it's contained in the account of the creation, but it holds a spiritual truth about revival. A very deep spiritual truth about revival. How many believe that we can have revival? Would you say amen? amen. How many believe we need revival? Amen. How many believe that we can have it right now? Amen. 
How many of you know that there's a reason why we don't have revival? Amen. Chapter number two, verse number four. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth which were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. I want to read that last verse again. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. That verse indicates that rain starts and ends with God. You and I cannot manufacture it. We cannot conjure it up. There ain't nothing that we can do that'll make it to rain. God holds the rain within his hand. Rain is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Rain is symbolic of God's movement. The Bible says that he came upon us as the former rain moderately, meaning that his spirit and his anointing started on man very slowly like a sprinkling of a shower. In the Old Testament, the anointing of God came upon man moderately. It was called the former rain. And then it said in the latter days, there would come a latter rain where the latter rain would come and it would be like a storm of God's glory when the rain of the Spirit would come when the Spirit would intensify. But later on in scriptures, the prophet tells us that there's going to come a time on the calendar of God that the former rain that came to us moderately, which is symbolic of the anointing of the Old Testament and upon the anointing of Abraham and Moses and anointing upon David and Solomon and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Nahum and all of those prophets, all of those things that went on with Elijah and Elisha, that anointing will join itself together with the anointing that came down in the Old and the New Testament upon the 12 apostles as they walked around in the street and the shadow touched people and they began to get healed. When the devils were cast out, when the dead came up out of the grave, those two anointing, God said, I will cause the rain to come down to you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Meaning that God says there's a time frame that's coming in the movement of my spirit where I am going to join the anointing of the Old Testament and the anointing of the Old Testament together and they're going to congeal themselves together to make a movement from God that the world has never seen, that they didn't see in Jesus' time and they didn't see in the first early church's time. We are sitting on the cusp of a movement from God that will literally blow up hell in this world if the church can get on board with it. Amen. There is something about to happen. There is a rain that is coming. Nothing can be a substitute for the rain of God. How many have ever been to a church? They say that the Spirit of God is moving, but when you go in there, you realize very quickly it's nothing but the flesh that's going on. Nothing can substitute the movement of Almighty God. Nobody can substitute the presence and the Spirit of God, and nothing can take its place. One thing we also need to understand is that God determines when it is rain time and God determines where it's going to rain. I want to submit to this church, God chose Living Water Worship Center many years ago for the rain. Somebody needs to say amen and accept that. 
and God knows when he'll pour it out. And I know if God chose it, it will eventually happen. And the sad thing about it is, is I may not be here to be able to see it, but God's still going to use this church to do what God wants to do in life. Amen? God determines when it's going to rain. He knows when it's rain time. He knows when it's going to rain in your life. It might be a dry season in your life, but rest assured, if you are in the kingdom of God, a rain from the Holy Ghost is coming. Amen? Why is it that we need the rain? We need the rain because rain causes growth and rain causes increase. But the question that we need to ask right now is, why don't it rain? Why ain't it raining? Ask your neighbor next door, say, why is it not raining? You know, it should be raining from the Spirit right now. We ought to have the anointing of God so strong in here that nobody that walks in with problems, with habits, with issues, with things in their life could walk in here and walk out of here the same way that they came. The anointing of God should be so straight in and so strong in this house that broken marriages come together right back in the house. Nobody should be able to walk in here and live and dwell in sin over and over and over again. There ought to be an anointing and a power and a rain from the Holy Spirit that was straighten out people's lives in the church. So the question is, why won't it rain? Rain is a time when it happens, when, it, when the rain comes, it causes growth, it causes increase. How many of you need the Lord to rain on your life? Would you say amen? How many of you need the Lord to rain on your finances? Would you shout out and say amen? How many of you would love to see God rain upon Living Water Worship Center? We used to sing a song, Lord, send the rain, Lord, send the rain, Lord, send the rain. And there was an old song back years ago. It used to say, it's raining, it's raining, it's raining once again. I wish we could sing that song today, that it is raining once again. But there's a barrier right now lived that's keeping the rain of God to come. It's like God's people has an umbrella up waiting and standing in the issue trying to keep God's rain from coming into the church. I want you also to know that rain is a producing agent. When God begins to rain down on the church, things are going to happen. Amen. When God's spirit begins to move, Lib is going to jump up and she's going to shout. Some 80-year-old people are going to walk the pews. When God's spirit begins to move, people ain't going to be able to sit in the pew like they've been sitting in the pew. Some of you ain't going to be sitting there looking around at everybody else in here trying to determine what you're going to eat after we leave from here. I'm telling you, when the spirit of God begins to move, God will grab a hold of your life and he'll grab a hold of your mind and he'll focus it on him and he'll change things. I don't know about you, but we need to rain. Amen. We need to rain in the house of Almighty God. So God knew, though, also that we needed to rain, but he also knew that man first needed to be in the right place in order to go out and tend that harvest, to tend the garden, to deal with it, to go out and get what is in the harvest for the rain to come. Because if there was no man there to go out and get what was produced, then there was no reason to even bring a harvest. God knew that Adam had to be in the right place before the rain come or he wouldn't be able to use him to get the harvest. I want to say it again. God knew that man had to be in the right place, ready, willing, and able to do what needed to be done to go out and gather the harvest that the rain would produce. Ask your neighbor, say, why won't it rain? Ask another, say, why won't it rain? 
I just answered the question. The reason why it won't rain is there ain't a man or a woman in the right place, in the right place that God wants them to be so that when the rain begins to fall that we can get together and we can go out and get the harvest that is ready. I don't know about you, but I come against that and thought in your mind that nobody don't want to come to church. I come against that in the name of Jesus because there are people out there that are in pain and are hungry and they just want somebody to reach out to them to tell them there's still hope in this life. I believe that there's a harvest that is ready to be reaped not only in your life, but in Living Water Worship Center's life. I believe that every church that there is right now can be filled to capacity. I believe that the churches ought to be the biggest building that there is in town because there's a lot of people that are hurting on the inside and they need some help. Amen. Problem is, the reason why it ain't raining is because Christians are not in the right place. Christians are holding on to God with a little fingernail and they're holding out in the world with a strong grip. They want to have God in time of emergency, but they don't have God when they're out there in the world. And God said in this coming year, I'm beginning to open up the door and I'm going to pour down my rain and I'm going to straighten out the situation in our lives. Amen. God needed a caretaker. He needed a steward. He needed a pastor that would be able to handle what the rain was going to be able to produce. Look at your neighbor here this morning and say, one man can only minister to 12 people effectively. No matter how strong you are, no matter how anointed you are, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how much you know in the Bible, it don't matter how much God's hand is on you, one man can only minister effectively to 12 people. Jesus could only minister effectively to 12 people. And through those 12 people, he ministered to the world. God will take 12 people and began to build it over and over and over again. And the Bible says only one person can remember the 12. So look around, look around real good. If you really look real good, we can take this family and we can break this church down to 12 people, 12 different families that come to this church. God has given this church to his capacity. This church cannot handle any more right now because there isn't enough of people in the right place to do what they need to do. When God gets man in the right place and he puts them in the area where the rain is going to fall, there will be a harvest at their feet and they'll be able to go out and get the harvest and get the harvest easy. Someone shout out and say amen. I have seen it in this church before when people got in the right place that the pews began to fill up and people began to come in and people began to get ministered to. And then after a while, we have a falling out with somebody or something. Here leaves 15, here leaves 20, or here and after a while, all of them is saying, you know, that's still my church out there, but, 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 I want to share with you, God is saying in 2024, I'm going to grab a hold of my children and I'm going to put them in the right place. You've been in a formation process and there ain't nothing that you went through that is going to be wasted. I'm going to use it to do what I need to do to get you in the right place because the rain's coming, darling. The rain's about to fall and a harvest is about to show up and needs to be harvested and God is waiting on you. You slap that beside it. You say, God's been waiting on you all this time. Where you been? Amen. So God determined that while man was in the process of formation that he would allow a mist to come up out of the ground and cover the earth. Now, the mist is productive. I thank God for the mist. I thank God for it. But the mist is only temporary. What the mist accomplishes is only temporary. The minute that the sun gets hot, the mist is gone. The mist will handle a need, but it can only handle a need to a certain point. And the mist, although it is refreshing and it's nice to have, it has its limitations. 
But I want to share with you, God has a plan for us that is more and deeper than what the mist is. God has something in store for us that will produce more than the mist will ever produce. God has something in store for us that is really waiting on us to go get it. God is ready to do something that is everlasting and eternal in our life. And it is time for the church to rise up and get ready for it and get in the right place. Amen. And I want to share with you this something that God chose. He chose it to be contingent upon one thing, one thing. This something that God wants to do, he said he is contingent on one thing, and that is I got to have a body that is formed and made ready to go labor out in the garden that I put them in, and without the body, there is no rain coming. I'm going to say it again. Without the body in place, being formed and ready to go out and work, there is no rain coming. Your family will die and go to hell without the body, that body that has been formed and ready to go out and get the harvest. If your church cannot get together in love and in unity enough to reach out to each and every family that there is in this church and try to grab those that have got their feet in the hell flames fire and pull them out of the deep and miry clay and show them that there is an idea and a life that is better than what there is. And if we can't get together to do that, there, there will never come the rain and the move of Almighty God. You got to slap that beside you this morning and say, get in the right place. Maybe you need to hit them hard enough to knock them in the right place. Because church has got to get into the right place. Amen. So after man was formed and God took him and formed him with his hands and out of the ground and God began to breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. After man became a living soul. After God planted a garden called Eden. And that word, and I want to remind you what I've told you before. The word Eden means a spot for the moment where there is an open door where the presence and the healing power of Almighty God is flowing. And you can go to heaven and then heaven can come down to you. Eden is where God wanted to place you at up under an open window, up under an open door to where you can get anything you need, anytime, anywhere. Because you are under the presence of God and in the alignment with God. God sees there he planted this garden placed a place over there called Eden and then he grabbed this man and he took him and he placed man in the river on the east side at the river he didn't place him on the east side on the west side on the south side the north side or the south side he planted him on the east side he had a specific place for this man to be and it just so happened Thelma that it was at the place where there was a river that branched out of the garden and went out and it went into four heads and as it went out it came back and it came back through the garden what God was telling you is there is a place that I have in your life and there's only one place that you're going to be effective in and if you'll find that place you'll find the river of living water in your life that will go out and go out into the world and water the whole world and come back and bless you and God desired for us to always be under that open door in heaven to where we could walk every day in the cool of the day and enjoy the presence of our heavenly father daily but the church decided that they wanted to take over the whole garden the church decided that they wanted to take over the throne the church decided that they weren't going to work where God wanted them to work The church decided that their opinion was more important than what God's opinion was. 
The church decided we're going to build a different system and hold it up to God and ask God to bless that system. In other words, what I want to share with you is you've heard people say, I can live just as holy at home as I can in the church. You've heard people say, I don't have to be a member of the church to make it and go to heaven. You've heard all that stuff and all that is a lie from hell. That is man-made manipulation of God's system to hold it up to God and say, okay, God, I know better than you know better. I ain't got to get married because I don't have to. I, this is the way I look at it, God, not what your word says. I'm going to hold that up to you and ask you to bless me. I know people don't like to hear that, but let me tell you how it is. You better start considering where you're standing at because time is short. I want you to understand we cannot create any system and hold it up to God and ask God to bless it. He is not obligated to bless that system. He'll never bless that system. He will not bless a race he didn't create and he will not bless a system that he creates. He didn't create. So it is time for us to realize that holiness and pure living has got to come back into the house of God. We got to understand that we have got to open ourselves up to God and we have got to be in the right place at the right time and the right season so that the rain, when it comes, will be ready to go get the harvest for the Lord. Amen. So the river would then be fed by consistent rain and by a power that was sent from God and then man could live off of that river for the rest of his life. The rain and the river would flourish and make Eden flourish all their life. The land will become productive. Everything will begin to grow. Everything would increase. And there will be long-term benefits from the rain of God that comes down and finds itself in the river that goes out and waters the earth and comes back and gives you. What I'm sharing with you is there is a place spiritually that God wants you to be at. And until you get there, it does not matter how much you try. It don't matter how many times you tell someone you believe that the Lord is the Lord and Jesus is King of kings. Until you get in the right place where the very rain of the power of Almighty God will come in your life and flow out into the world and begin to minister and through you in and through and by you out there is never going to increase it's never going to produce what God wants you to do and anything you put your hands to will always have something held back from it because we're not in alignment with God amen so God wanted man in the place first how many would agree that living water needs a revival how many believe that the church needs revival how many believe you need revival? Some of y'all need to be louder there than you've ever been before in your life. Yeah, we all need revival, amen. But God said in order for you to have a revival, things have got to be in place first. Oh, can I preach just a little bit? Things have got to be in place first. Your will's got to be in the right place. Your body's got to be in the right place. Your mind's got to be in the right place. Your desire's got to be in the right place. Your want to is going to have to be in the right place. You got to get in the right place. God wanted man in the right place. And when God begins to get man in the right place, the world will get a river. Amen. When Living Water Worship Center gets in the right place, Blaine, North Carolina will be flooded by the glory of Almighty God. They won't be able to have an addict be alive in Blaine, North Carolina when we get in the right place. 
I'm here to tell you the only addicts that we're going to have is those that are addicted to the power of Almighty God. Someone shout out and say amen. You see, when living water finally gets in the right place, the world begins to get a river. And as the river goes out, the river blesses everybody. Everybody can jump into the river and get cool. Everybody can go out to the river and they can get water and they can live. Everybody can get water from the river and they can feed the plants that's around them. All your animals can be blessed. You can be blessed. You can go out and catch fish and you can live off the river. And if God wants to use living water, he wants living water to be in the right place so that the river will flow out into the respective communities that we are a part of and that river bring back to us the fruits of that revival. But we'll never ever have a revival until you get in the right place. That's a revelation to you about revival. Every great revival has always started with an individual who was broken and they had been developed by the hand of God. God will never use living water until you get broken. I want you to slap that beside him and say, that's your problem. You need to be broken. I got so I love you, but good God, I got some of the hardest hitted people and the hardest hearted people I've ever had in my life, Lord. I pray over it and I beg over it and I beg the Lord. And sometimes you don't like me having to tell you exactly how you are, but it is the honest truth. It's so hard to get the word of God in you. God has been preaching this already now, starting right before Christmas, and I'm having to review everything, everything, and everything because you refuse to get in the right place. Your right place on Wednesday night is the house of God, but you're sitting in your recliner watching wrestling. Oh, help us, Lord. Amen. Your rightful place is in the house of God on Sunday morning, but on Sunday morning you're down to the beach to visit some old friend. Am I helping anybody yet? Amen. Your rightful place is to be on Sunday morning in the house of Almighty God Sunday night. You're supposed to be in the house of God. But oh, no, no, no. You ain't got time for that there because this one can't come. You're going to stay home because that one can't come. You're going to stay home. I want to share with you it is time for you to break out of that mess that hell has got you because if you want to see your family live right, if you want to see God begin to sanctify and save your children and get them back in the church where you raised them to be at, then you need to get back and show them this is where you need to be, son. This is where you need to be, daughter. This is where you need to get at. You need to set the example. You don't give up now. You don't throw up your hands now because they grown. You stand up and you let them know. Mama says, this is how it's supposed to be. Daddy says, this is how it's supposed to be. Now, you get up off of your lazy carcass and you get back where you're supposed to be. And until you do, I'm praying the Lord to shake you and to form you and just to shake the life of you and get you back one way or the other. Amen. Because we got time on our hands and it's about to get away. God is looking for somebody he can develop this morning. I want to ask your neighbor, say, can he develop you? The word develop by definition means to cause you to grow. To cause you to grow and to become more mature. And to cause you to get more advanced. Cause you to be more elaborate. God is looking for somebody that he can mold and help increase. How many of you love to have increase? You can't increase without growing. You got to grow so you can get some increase. Amen. God appointed man in a specific place in his perfect will when all the components of his personal development were completed and God put him there under an anointing that was placed on him to have dominion over the area that he put him in and then God took him and placed him where God called him to be and when God placed him there and he got in the right place, God could have used that man forever if he would have been right with God forever. But God can only use the broken and the developed. 
Tell your neighbor again this morning, look at him and say, you need to be broken. One characteristic that people say about me is that I'm headstrong. Thank you. I appreciate that. The greatest attribute I got is I'm headstrong. It is true. Because if I didn't believe in something, I'd fall for everything. I'm headstrong. I'm stubborn in some areas. Yeah. I proved it to be right with me. And if I proved it to be right and be right in the spirit, then you've got a whole lot of work to do to try to change my mind. Now, I'm not going to stand up and tell you I won't never be wrong. I've even had see people say, well, I ain't never heard them admit being wrong. I'll tell you right now, I've been wrong a whole lot. I've been wrong dealing with you. I've said things to you I shouldn't have said to you. Sometimes I needed to slap you in your face and I coddled you a little bit. I was wrong. There's times that I couldn't do what I wanted to do because God said, no, this is the right way to do it. And there were some times that I needed to do this and God wanted me to do it and I would back up and I wouldn't do it. So yeah, I've been wrong. I'll be the first one to tell you I've been wrong. There's been times behind the pulpit I said things because the problem that I've got is I'm trying to minister to people that are not where God wants them to be and I have to dumb it down for people to understand it and they can't understand it because they refuse to get in the right place. If you'll get let God develop you and minister to you and teach you to grow and increase, then I can begin to speak to you in some spiritual things. Amen? Amen. There are things in this church that God wants to reveal to you, and I cannot reveal them to you spiritually the way God wants them to be revealed to you because you still got a child's mind. Mm, help us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. How do you respond when somebody lies about you? What do you do and how do you respond with all your efforts to help other people out there in life? They turn around and talk about how bad you are and you only done it to try to help yourself. I want to share with you all the money, all the time, all of the avenue and all the effort that I have expressed in my life to try to help each and every one of these people that's a part of this church. And then they want to turn around and say, well, he done it for himself. Boy, you need to get a rude awakening in your life. Boy, I could, have, I could be living right now where I don't even have to work for some of the money that I've handed out to a lot of people. Amen. You see, I want to share with you, what do you do when people that is your own family turns against you? Are you like uh, 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 Joseph in Genesis chapter number 50 where he says, you meant this thing for evil against me, but God meant it unto me to good, and he's going to bring things to pass. And this day, because of what you put me through, now I'm able to save a whole lot of people alive. You see, there's things you go through because God's got a plan for you in the future. Amen. So in 2024, LWWC has got a word from God. Everybody ready to receive the word? If you are, shout out and say amen. I say, how many of you are ready to receive the word on this side? Throw your hand up and say, I'm ready to receive the word. Throw it up. Let me see. How many are ready to receive the word on this side? Throw it up. Throw it up. How many is ready? Are you ready? Say amen. Grow up. Quit being a child. Grow up. That's God's word for you. That's the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 11 said, When I was a child, that word child means one that was untaught, unskilled, simple-minded, immature Christian, a toddler from one to three years old. He said, I spoke like that child. I understood like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Punch that beside it and say, grow up. A toddler. How many of you know? I'm, I'll tell you, we got a lot of toddlers, but how many of you seen toddlers when they walk? Oh, yeah. Ain't a toddler cute when they're walking? Yeah. They'll take a couple of steps, bam. 
and they'll walk up here and they'll fall over here and sit down and lamb. And they'll walk over here and they'll fall over here and after a while they go to cry. You pick them back up, it's all right. They'll go to walking again, blam. And over here they go to walking again, blam. And they're walking again, blam. And they're going to cry. You say, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. Come on. And they'll begin to walk again and over here. And they're going to blam. And they'll go over here and walk again, blam. And they walk over here again, blam. And they And you had to pat them on his head there. It's cute to watch a toddler like that, ain't it? Amen. But when you got a 28-year-old man and a 30-year-old man and a 40-year-old man and a 50-year-old man and a 60-year-old man walking around like that, you knock me down. Why do you knock me down? I don't even I want to grab them and slap them upside the head. I'll tell you, I love them, but that's what I want to do. 50-year-old man ain't got no bank account, ain't got no house, ain't got no job, ain't got no car, ain't got nobody around, ain't got no money, had to beg somebody all the time, had to run around with a PayPal card or run around with a cash power card, calling everybody, give me $20, give me $20. You need to grow up. The church needs to grow up. Amen. Now, a toddler's year, when a toddler's coming on, it's a great time in their life. And they have great cognitive things that happen in their life. Emotionally, they're built. Socially, they're built. They learn how to develop during that time. They learn how to communicate. They change greatly. They grow daily. They learn their motor skills. They know how to think. They begin to use their hands the right way. They begin to grasp and hold objects and manipulate that there. And they begin to communicate effectively. And once you go through those times of toddlerism, then that point from development you move on to maturity hmm anybody ever raised a youngin that stayed a youngin of all your children which one worries you the most and aggravates you the most the one that ain't mature amen how many of you even love to see the phone ring with their number on it you love them, but you hate to say because you know before you get off that phone, you got to give them some money. <laughs> Dealing to, with people that refuse to grow up is extremely frustrating. Oh, you should never get frustrated. I should always be like I is. Ain't never going to change anything. I ain't going to grow up, and you ain't never supposed to get frustrated. Jesus got frustrated with a bunch of people who didn't grow up. You see, when you're frustrated, you have a tendency to get upset. And then everybody wants to say, look at that preacher getting upset up there and everything. And they don't have to sit there and they don't never think about, well, what did you do to cause him to get upset? God said, be angry and sin not. When you're frustrated, you get annoyed. How many just love to be annoyed? How many just love to be left alone sometimes? You need to leave me alone or you want to annoy me. How many just ain't got time for people that ain't grown up? Amen. Why? Because immaturity prevents progress. When people are immature, you can't move on. Brother, if you hired a crew to go paint a house and every one of them told you the minute that you went in there, I know how to paint. And within two minutes, you watched them roll that roller and you realize these boys don't know how to paint. You cannot forget. You got to stop everything and train them how to paint the wall before you. And the job that would take one day will wind up taking five days. It prevents progress. 
And when you got a bunch of people in the church that will not grow up, it prevents progress. Immaturity prevents success. You can't be successful when people are immature. Immaturity prevents fulfillment of a task. And when you got a bunch of people that you're dealing with that refuses to grow up, you're literally not progressing. You're finding yourself not fulfilling tasks. You're getting frustrated because the task should have been done yesterday. And here it is Sunday, seven days later, and it still ain't done. I ought to be able to be preaching right now some very deep truths from God, but I can't do it in this church, Thelma, because people are still a child can I help somebody amen Paul felt the very same way when he talked to the Hebrews. He talked to them over in Hebrews chapter number 5. He was talking about Jesus. He said, I'm speaking of whom we have many things to say and they are hard things to be uttered but we can't speak to you because you're dull of hearing. He goes further. That word there, he says, I have some things to say about Jesus. That's the word logos, meaning that God has some wisdom and some knowledge and some power that is still unto you through the power and the truth of the word of God that he's given certain people. And he can't do that there because he can't do it because you can't hear it. And if he did try to do it, you wouldn't understand it anyway. And if you could get to the point where you could hear it, you'll be able to put things together in your life and bring things in harmony and understand life and know what you need to do next but you can't do that because people refuse to hear. They won't grow up. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. Paul said there's so much in God's word that I want to preach to you. But I can't preach to you because you're a child. I'm going to tell you as living water, I love you here this morning, but there has been spiritual truths that God has given me and he gave them to me right straight. And I say, Lord, how am I supposed to deliver it? Because I know if I say it like this, they're never going to be able to understand it. And I have to preach 10 sermons to be able to get one little sentence from God across to people. And in those 10 sermons, I got 50% of the church that don't come to the church. We cannot progress when we are not mature. Can I help anybody this morning? Smile at me if you know I'm telling the truth. There is some deep truths in this word that God has given me that I would love to be able to preach it the way I should be able to preach it, but I can't do it. I've got to go around my elbow and use certain words and certain tonations to be able to get people to understand it because you see when you're still a child, I'm talking to your mind. I'm not talking to your spirits. Hebrews chapter number 5, verse 12 through 14, he says, for, for when for the time you ought to be teachers. That word teacher there means that you are able to take the things that's concerning God and the duties that man has to God and tell other people. He says, so you've been saved long enough that you ought to be a teacher, but you have now need that of one to come teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meats belong to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You see, God's got so much more for living water and we put a limit on it because we refuse to grow up. I'm not going to quote it this morning, but look at verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Paul says, I can't talk to you spiritually. I have to go talk to you like a carnal person. I have to talk to you just like I talk to the sinners out there. I have to take the word of God and dumb it down and dumb down that revelation and speak to your human nature and not your spirit because you are still under the control of your animal appetites. And since there's envy and strife and divisions among you and in the church, I know right there I can't talk 
talk spiritually to you because you respond to the word of God exactly like the world does. And that's our problem in living water. Amen. I'll say it. Amen. Now a toddler speaking goo goo gaga is kind of cute. But when Stan at 60 years old walking around to Mary said goo goo gaga is kind of sickening in my heart. Amen. It's time to grow up. Amen. It's even more of a tragedy when a Christian fails to live up to the potential of the anointing and the maturity that lies within him. Galatians chapter 4 says this. A heir is just like a child or a slave. An heir, as long as he is a child, is just like a slave. He owns it all. But because he's a slave, he can't use it. He says an heir, although he's got his hands on everything the father owns, cannot use it because he's still a child. And he goes on to say in verse number three, he says children live in bondage under the elements of the world. How many of you feel like in life, and let's be honest, you take one step forward and you get knocked back two steps. You're living under the elements of the world. You're in bondage. And the Bible says the reason why that happens is because you're still a child. You're still a child. The word bondage there means to be made up as a slave, to lose your freedom of choice, to become someone's property, to be governed by somebody else and made to work for somebody else. Regardless of what your choice is. It means to be dominated and live under another one's control. To be oppressed and treated with cruelty. It means to be treated with unjust treatment. To live in prison and confined. And to live in chains and feathers and shackles and restraints and yokes. Bondage to the world system. He said to the elements of the world. That means undeveloped and immature structure of the world, the cosmos, the world itself, the, the, the culture that's out there that we're literally going to be dictated by the world. And God says that if we're going to get where God wants us to be, we've got to grow up and quit being a child. we got to stop being in bondage. Amen. The Bible says if you're a child in Ephesians chapter number 4 that you're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Every little wind that comes by, you're running out there. I, I used to minister to a guy, and he had a desire to be rich. He wanted to get rich. He wanted to get rich. And he'd come to me, and he said, how, how can I get rich? How can I get rich? But he had this thought in his mind, Thelma, that the way he was going to get rich is he's going to get rich quick. So, so you would sit there, and you tell him, the way you get rich is you take 20% of your money, and you take it out, and you invest that money, and you do it over a long period of time. And over a long period of time, you start getting rich. And, and, and I told him, I said, you're already a millionaire. you just got to learn how to walk into it. But every little teeny thing that would come by that he thought he could make money, people would make it look sound great and wonderful. He'd empty his banking account to go out because he's going to make a big-time killing on this. And he's broke as a skunk right now. Because he wanted to get rich quick. You don't get rich quick. You don't get where God wants you to be quick neither. Amen. The Bible says it's you as a child, you're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. By every subject and slight of man. By the cunning craftiness of man. 
And he says, you live, they live out there to deceive you. I want you to know the devil has got people stationed in your life right now, and the only reason why they're there is to deceive you. To get your money, to get what they need out of you, to get your value, to get your ability. But God says, here's what he's wanting as I close this morning. God is wanting his church to get in the right place, to get in the right place, to grow up and start working in the right place. God is ready right now to pour out the rain. And he's beginning to pour it out right now, but he's wanting someone that's in the right place that's willing to go get the harvest. I want to share with you, Cliff and I talked many a time about all these people out there that's hooked on drugs and alcohol and they're sitting down and they're cooking meth on a day basis and they literally need some help need some help and 99% of the Christians don't even want to talk to them don't even want to be around them they don't even want to listen to them they don't want to go but my God said there's coming an hour in the 11th hour visitation and the rain of God is going to come down on my church in the right place at the river of Almighty God where the dam that has been holding back the river of the living water of God is going to come loose and as it goes forward it's going to grab a hold of these red hair green hair blue hair tattooed all up people that's messed all up and it it's time for the church to get in the right place so that we can bring a revival to these people. Living Water Worship Center needs a revival. And I want you to know, I know why it's not raining right now. It's because this church will not grow up. But my God said in 2024, I'm going to make living water grow up. I'm going to pour living water out of their prisons of, of compassion. And I'm going to pull them out of that situation. I'm going to make them be who I called them to be. And I'm going to harvest this world. My God said, get ready for a trailer our visitation like you have never seen before and my hand is going to form you and put you in the right place so that I can use you in this harvest to do what needs to be done. Amen. As I close this morning, Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and the potter was sitting there on the wheel making clay and he messed it up and he took that clay and he took it and he remolded it and he made it up. I want you to know right now, I want you to picture it in your mind, living water worship center is now on the wheel of the potter of God and God is beginning to mold us. He's beginning to get us where he wants to be. You might not like Liv. You might not like Liz. You might not like Thelma, but before long you're going to realize you got to live with them and you got to live and you can't live without them. Amen. You might not like me, but you're going to have to live with me and you can't live without me. Amen. God is going to use what needs to be used. In your life. God is giving you a potential on the inside of you. And when you get in the right place. That's, that's on the inside of you. Explodes to fruition. It's just like the farmer taking a seed. And putting it in the ground. And as he puts it in the ground. As mother nature and father time. And the reign of God comes together. And that seed dies and responds. To father, father time and mother nature. Over that period of time. Here comes a harvest off of one seed that literally feeds your entire family. You can take one butter bean seed, you can put it in the ground, and off of that one bush, you can feed your entire family at least one time. God is ready to use you as a seed, and he wants to know how you're going to respond to him. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 2 says this. A man in this time shall be a hiding place from the wind. A covert from the tempest. He'll be as rivers of water in a dry place. As the shadow of a great rock in the weary land. If he'll stop being satisfied with just enough. I've allowed Living Water Worship Center to be satisfied with just enough. Just give me a cabin in the corner of glory land. I'll be happy. I don't know about you, all this hell I've been through in life. 
When I get to heaven, I want my mansion. If God's got it for me, I want it for me. I don't want Peter just to look at me and say, oh, you finally made it in by the skin of your teeth. Here's your little shack over here. Remember the, 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 the Beverly Hillbillies when they went to the Greenwood House or Fenwick House or whatever it was and that big old mansion sitting back there and there was little guard shacks out there and they thought that's where they lived at. No, I want to live in those little guard shack. I want to live in the mansion. If God's got it for me, that's what I want. And if God's got something for you, I don't want you to live your life with a little bit just enough to get by. I want you to live in expansion and live how God wants you to be blessed. Amen. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. I said there's enough of money on the earth in circulation that every living person on the face of the earth right now should have $7 million apiece. Ask your neighbor up and say, where's your seven million? I also shared with you and told you that all the timber that there is on the earth, if all the timber on the earth was taken care of, that every individual lived on the face of the earth would have a 3,200-foot house himself. Ask your neighbor, so where's your 3,200 foot house at? You see, we have accepted less than what God wants us to have. I'm going to tell you what, if God's got $7 million for me, I want my $7 million. If he's got a 3,200 square foot house for me, I want my 3,200 square foot house. And if you don't want it, then I'll go get yours too. Amen. And don't get upset with me when I'm sitting there with two houses with 3,200 square feet and you're having to rent one of them. You brought it on your own, amen? Don't get upset with me when I die and I leave my wife $7 million and fourteen and $7 million to my son and $7 million to my daughter. And I turn, you turn around and you say, how did you get $21 million? It's because you didn't go get your $7 million. God is not happy with the church living in the midst, which is just enough. God wants you in 2024 to let's go on and step into the water a little bit, Amen. He wants you to come on into the river because there in the river he said the healing of God is on the, the tree of life and every one of the leaves there will heal you. I believe that God is about to turn everything around and live in water. I believe it's happening in our eyes right now. Someone shout out and say amen. Smile at your neighbor here tonight this morning and say I hear the abundance of rain. Stand with me to your feet. Look at your neighbor and say, I hear the abundance of rain. It's about to come a storm cloud of glory from Almighty God. A front from the heavenlies is beginning to come. And a hurricane of Almighty God's glory is about to happen. You're going to start seeing people that are hooked on drugs lay them down. You're going to see crack houses shut down. You're going to see drug connections destroyed. You're going to see politicians removed. You're going to see people in the church that will not grow up be moved out of the church. And those that want to grow up come in the church. The church is going to rescue in a revival in the kingdom of God like you've never seen and living water worship center can be that church that leads the charge I don't care if there's only five of us or 50 of us God said we can be used by his glory because he can put us in the right place in the east part of Eden under an open spot of heaven with an open window where anything we need for heaven can come down and when it comes down it'll hit the river and go out and bless the world I want you to smile at your neighbor and say it's time you let it rain it's time you let it rain it's time you let it rain everybody just sit I'm going to let it rain. I'm going to let it rain. Lord, send the rain. Lord, let the rain fall. Lord, let the poor rain call. We need you to move. We need you to move. We want you to move. And this is going to be a move before it's all over with. Somebody in the house give God a good hand clap of praise and shout out and say, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Push that beside and say, it's raining. It's raining. Father, because of your word, 
I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. So I covenant with you to always give your voice to your world, your word. I'll never give voice to the words of the enemy. I'll give no place to the devil, but I give place to the spirit of God. You have given the angels charge over me in all my ways, and my way is the way of the world. These things will surely come to pass, for your word is within me. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Let us say amen. amen. I'm delivered from the powers of darkness. I'm translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. The greater one dwells in me, so I will not fail, for your word is within me. Let us say amen. amen. Your word has, will cause me to prevail even though a thousand may fall by my side and ten thousand on my right hand. It shall not come near me for you've given your angels charge over to me. They keep me in all my ways and in my pathway is life. My pathway is health. My pathway is prosperity for Abraham's blessings are mine. Christ redeemed me from poverty. Let the church side out and say amen. He redeemed me from sickness. He redeemed me from spiritual death. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I give voice to your word. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I am saying so. I forbid any sickness or disease to operate in my body. I forbid any tumor or growth to exist in my body. It dissolves right now in the name of Jesus. Body, I'm speaking to you. You come in line with the word of God. I'm delivering you from gross and tumors. They have no right to exist. That God, that with God has planted in is rooted out right now in the name of Jesus. Galatians 3 and 13 is in my mouth. Galatians 3.13 is flowing in my bloodstream. Galatians 3.13 flows to every cell of my body. Galatians 3 and 13 is forming itself in my body. The word is becoming flesh for you sent your word and you healed me. Your word is now being formed in my body. It causes abnormal cells to disappear. It causes sickness to flee. It causes arthritis to disappear. My bones and joints function properly. Arthritis, you must go in Jesus' name. Sickness, you must flee in Jesus' name. For the spirit of God is upon me. The word of God is within me. I will fear no evil for the word of the Lord comforts me. Thus saith the Lord I am far from oppression. Thus saith the Lord fear does not come near me. Thus saith the Lord no weapon formed against me will prosper. But whatever I do will prosper. I am the redeemed of the Lord. This is the heritage of the service of the Lord and my righteousness is of God. Let the church side out and say amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we stand before you today, Lord God, knowing that we need the rain. Father, we pray right now and tell you that we're not satisfied with the mist. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that you'll put us in the right place. You'll mold us. You'll form us. You'll get us in the right place by the river of life. Lord God, that we can receive the very rain of the Holy Ghost and that the harvest that comes, we can receive. God, now in the name of Jesus, open up our eyes. Open up our hearts. Open up our spirit. Help us, Lord, to receive right now in the name of Jesus. Let us not leave this house not knowing, Lord God, that you have been on our side and you have taken care of us and what we have proclaimed this morning in the ears of the enemy and in the ears of your family that it shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. Father, now in the name of Jesus, burn this word in our hearts. Write it upon the tablets of our heart. Wrap it around our finger. Put it around our neck. Put it ever before our eyes. Write it in our brain. Lord God, keep it before us, Lord God, to know that we know that it's going to rain. Father, we pray repent in the name of Jesus for keeping the rain away from living water this morning. Lord God, we take down spiritual umbrellas and God, now in the name of Jesus, we pray that your glory will find itself welcome in our life as you go and lead and guide and direct us and bring us back in loving and unity once again. Father, I pray and I release a spirit of growth upon each and every life, a spirit of maturity upon each and every life. Father, gone will be the days of immature Christians, immature children in our house spiritually. Father, now this house will be spiritual 
in the power of God. And we give you the glory and the praise for it all in the precious holy name of Jesus. And our church shouts out and says amen. amen. Now give God a good hand clap. Hug a neck, shake a hand, tell him you love him. God bless you. I'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight. Have a great one. Amen.